Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure. I mean, I was not speaking English. The topic was about economics and nuclear power plant. I was knowing nothing about economics and absolutely nothing about nuclear power plant. So I say, well, that's great, let's go. Today I'm talking to Giorgio Locatelli. Giorgio is full professor of complex projects business at the Politecnico di Milano, the largest technical university in Italy, with 42,000 students. So welcome, Giorgio. It's great to see you and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here today. So, Giorgio, we're going to be talking about a particular moment in your life where you really had to step outside your comfort zone. But before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? What do you do? What do you enjoy doing in your spare time? I am from a small village in the countryside of Bergamo. Bergamo is in Lombardy, so it's north of Italy, close to Milan. And I really enjoy working around the countryside. That's something that I love and I love to listen to podcasts, like this brilliant podcast when I'm working. <laughs> And uh, I really like to play music. I play guitar. Not very good, but it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I go, love to go out uh, with my friends and family. Fantastic. I play guitar as well. What sort of guitar is yours? Electric, mostly. Ah, so what would be your favourite piece to play on the electric guitar? Well, I start to play guitar because of Nirvana. Ah, okay. Right? So yeah. I still play some of those songs and some Italian songs as well. Very good. Very good. So you stepped outside your comfort zone. Tell us about where you were at the time and what was happening and why did you have to do this? Yes. So uh, the important bit to understand is that I come from a very working class background. So my parents never finished high school. So when uh, I was, uh, uh, I had to choose my high school, I never thought about going to a Lyceum or one of these very good high school. I went to a technical high school, basically, where you learn to use late machine, middle machine. Uh, I was uh, quite good at, at the beautiful things of my high school is that at the end you have a lot of job opportunities. But I decided to try university. So I tried university and I started mechanical engineering in Politecnico di Milano. I went through the five years of Politecnico and when I was in my last year, I realized that I was not speaking English. I had the English exam that was not very good and I was barely able to say an idea or a sentence in English. And I thought it was very important for an engineer to speak English. So I went to all my professors asking for an internship abroad, either in the UK or USA, Australia. And it was not very relevant where I go as long as it was an English speaking country and was not very relevant to the topic. So it could be material, electronics, economics, anything, literally anything. That was uh, the first time that I was outside Italy, so I was 24. I mean, I was one week in, in uh, Switzerland, but I'd never been outside Italy. I never took an airplane before, never lived abroad, nothing, absolutely nothing. I was living with my parents, like almost all the Italians. So they offered me two opportunities. One was about recycling refrigerators uh, here in the UK. And the other one was uh, with uh, Professor Paolo Turco and Marco, Professor Marco Ricotti, that uh, at the time they have a collaboration with Westinghouse, 
to develop a small modular reactor called IRIS. And they said, look, uh, there is uh, this opportunity for six months uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, in Westinghouse. And uh, it was brilliant. I mean, I was not speaking English. The topic was about economics and nuclear power plant. I was knowing nothing about economics and absolutely nothing about the nuclear power plant. <laughs> so I say, well, that's great. Let's go. <laughs> so you're going outside your comfort zone, literally for the first time out of the country for six months. You're going to the US where you don't speak the language. You're going to stay in a city where you've never been before. You don't know the culture. You don't know anybody there. And you're going to be working on a topic, nuclear power and economics, that you know nothing about. Correct. So no, I had an, an, a module of economics in my second year, like uh, oh. four years. <laughs> but obviously, I forgot everything that was in there after three years, yeah. because I was really doing mechanical engineering. So a lot of material we used to do, electrical uh, components and um, structural analysis, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. You said a really interesting thing. When you were describing that, you said, that's great, let's do it. It sounds like you were quite excited about this. Just describe the sort of feeling that you had when you realised that this was actually going to happen. Yeah, it, I was incredibly scared and I was incredibly excited because nobody in my family ever did anything near that. I mean, going so far away, take a, an airplane, nobody did that in my family. I didn't know the topics and things. Uh, fair disclosure, there was a plan B. So in my mind was, okay, let's try this. What worst things can happen? They understand that I'm an idiot, I don't speak English, I don't know anything about the topic. So, well, I give up the dissertation, I go back and they give me another topic in Polytechnic. I go to another professor and get maybe some boring topic like materials. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. And, and so, yes, there was, I mean, it's not the end of the world, I'm not gonna die. Worst case scenario, I wasted three months of my life come back and start another dissertation on another topic. Yeah, it's really good that because I remember I heard somebody say exactly the same thing. Whenever they have this sort of stepping outside their comfort zone, one of the things they always ask themselves is what's the worst that could happen? And actually, when you think about it, what's the worst that could happen? Usually, as you say, there's a plan B. It's not going to be the end of the world, but you still did it. Yes, I still did it. So it was March uh, 2006 when I left and I went uh, so to work uh, in, uh, uh, in Westinghouse and it was an internship uh, with a small salary, but it was enough to pay for all the expenses that my family could never afford. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was great. So first, before going, I started to relearn about uh, uh, economics. <laughs> so I got a few books of that. I started to learn about uh, nuclear power plant, watch some video on YouTube, get very, the basic how power plant is built or what is in there and then when I was there uh, there was um, a person that was uh, working in Westinghouse doing the economics and financial analysis for Westinghouse that became my mentor and the guy was great so really really super helpful and uh, so that was uh, fantastic and then in the evening there was um, uh, a, a place in Pittsburgh where uh, basically they teach uh, English to immigrants to make them, uh, in, to, to have them uh, learn basic English and uh, be part of the community. And while in Italy, when they teach you English, they're obsessed with grammar. Right. So it doesn't matter if you don't understand the sentence, you have to put the 
grammar right, they have three rules there. First, you need to understand what people tell you. Second, you need to make people understand you. Third, you need to be grammatically okay. Correct. And that's great for an engineer. It's exactly what an engineer needed to do. And that uh, was the beginning. So to give us some little examples, you landed in Pittsburgh, you went in a taxi from the airport through that long tunnel. When you come out, you see Pittsburgh in front of you. Presumably you had the accommodation organised, you had some transport, you had some contacts. Were there little examples of perhaps, perhaps one example you can give us where you suddenly thought, oh, I've got a problem here. How am I going to solve this? Yeah, basically, I got an hotel booked for uh, uh, one week and then there was an apartment that uh, was uh, uh, booked uh, also for a week, but this was unfurnished. And so I have to figure out a way to furnish an apartment, considering I've never been outside my, uh, my parents' house before. And so I went to see this apartment uh, and uh, like 200 meters from there, there was a group of university students that were moving. And they were moving, uh, there was a big uh, king bed or queen bed that were moving. In that moment, I said, okay, I walk to them and say, can you sell me this bed? Can you sell me this stuff? This is $100 bill. Can you give me that and bring it to my house? Say, yes, sure. So that was like, I don't know, I, I'm Catholic. I believe in God. That, that is God sending me the stuff. And I have a place to sleep. <laughs> And then from, I took it from there. I mean, small, I furnished the apartment piece by series with things that I found around, uh, uh, like uh, used uh, stuff at uh, stores and uh, these kind of things. And so you sort of found your way step by step. It's a little bit like if I travel somewhere, I never sort of think about the whole journey in one go. I mean, I've planned it out. I know what I'm doing because I've written it down, but I only think about the next step. And each little step, gets you on the longer journey, doesn't it? And it sounds like it was a little bit like that for you. Yeah, and again, what was my plan B was to have uh, the, the, the bed made with air that you use when you're camping and the sleeping bed back. That was my plan B, okay, yeah, I've been in camping before. I can survive with that. I'm in a home, nothing is going to happen to me. But someone, what was the chance, what is the probability that when you go there, you see someone with a mattress walking, walking down the street? Fantastic. And he was there in that very moment. Yes. And I, yes. Happened to have one, I happened to have $100 in my pocket. So it sounds like your faith is an important part of this journey, that you know in a way you weren't on your own there. When um, uh, Professor Marco Ricotti and Paolo Turco sent me to go there, they gave me the contact of a few, few people. Um, uh, they were uh, there, so a couple of people from uh, Polytechnico, they were working in Westinghouse at the time. So there was uh, some people that I could rely on. Mm, mm. So that was the sort of start of the six-month internship. By the end of the six months, presumably you're much more confident. You know what you're doing, or you know better what you're doing. You've gone on this sort of journey over those six months, and I'm just wondering, how did you feel as the time was coming to the end? Did you feel more confident? Did you feel you'd got over any fear and uncertainty or it was great because uh, i started to develop uh, a framework uh, then uh, then is uh, was used by westinghouse and the management of westinghouse really liked my way to approach the economics i developed a new equation for industrial learning that they really liked and they were probably still using i don't know and uh, they were looking for a, 
conference publication and maybe a journal publication out of that. So it's been uh, brilliant. I mean, and then basically the people from Westinghouse told me, look, Giorgio, uh, that's uh, all very good. Uh, go back to Polytechnico, graduate, uh, and then come back because we want to hire you. We want to give you a job as an engineer here. So I said, okay, we think about and then I went uh, back to Polytechnico. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So if you look back on that six months, you come home, now you can speak some English and you can understand what people are saying to you in English. You can make yourself understood and hopefully you're grammatically correct as well. And you know something about nuclear energy and economics. What was the consequences? What happened as a result of your six months secondment? Uh, what happened that I came back to Politecnico, uh, basically I wrote the, the, the dissertation and my professor, that was Paul Turco, really liked it and told me, look, uh, why you're not doing, uh, why you don't want to do a PhD? I say, well, what's a PhD? Never heard about it. <laughs> and I said, not, not really for me, that stuff. I'm going to work in consultancy. So I joined a consultancy company. I found it was incredibly boring and uh, say, OK, look, Giorgio. What do you think about the PhD? I say, okay, yeah, yeah, let's try. At the time, Italy was coming back to nuclear because it was the announcement of the Berlusconi government that Italy was uh, in, um, supposed to build the sixth nuclear power plant. And so there was uh, this there was this collaboration between the business. There is still a collaboration between the business school and the Department of Nuclear Engineering. It was super exciting. So yeah, let's try. At, at the time, say, okay, look, George, I have three possibilities after the PhD. One is that the nuclear, I work in the Italian nuclear industry. I can work uh, in the Italian uh, academia, or I keep this to investment banking. And it was fun because in 2008, 2009, uh, 2010, when I finished my PhD, I got uh, incredibly bad luck because we got Fukushima, the 2011, that canceled the Italian nuclear program. We got the financial crisis that canceled all the jobs in finance, basically, in investment banking. And there was, after, I don't know, 100 years, the reform of, a, of academic career in Italy. They were not hiring any assistant professor, lecturer anymore. So I have three totally unrelated job opportunities, and all three got killed in two years for three totally different reasons. But that's fine. And that's what brought you to the UK and Leeds? You see, you have always to be agile, always to adjust and things. And, and this is come down to something that my parents taught me. Is that lesson is that you cannot always win, but you can always do your best. And that's super important because if you did your best, you cannot win in the things that you want to win. But first, you know that you did your best. So you can go to sleep at night knowing that you did your best. And second, if you did your best, probably there is something good coming in an unexpected way. Mm. So I want you to imagine that you've got somebody who's maybe the age you were when you went to the US. They're worried because they're going to have to do something for the first time. What would be your advice to them? First, uh, find a good mentor. The person that uh, uh, can help you, you can speak, you can have a discussion about, you can tell you what you're doing good and what you're doing wrong, which is even more important. And um, do what you like. And if something you don't like to do, like when I was in consultancy, change, okay? You are not married to your job. It's, uh, it's what you do for a living. You must really enjoy because it's eight hours at least of your day. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Giorgio, it's been an absolute delight to chat. 
Thanks so much for your time. Thanks to you. It was great to be here. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, to help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.